What's up, everybody? You know, welcome back to another episode of Beat the House Podcast with your host here, Justin Everett, uh, aka Smooth. And, you know, I hope you guys are enjoying a little bit of the break here. You know, we did have the MLB All Star game and uh, pretty much the home run derby. Uh, kind of hard to call it the weekend because it's in the middle of the week, but just the break for the MLB All Star, um, you know, wrap up here. You know, uh, going to recap that uh, a little bit. And, you know, some some baseball news, you know, over the break and, you know, a few more future bets that was that I like and was able to do some research on, as well as a few more NFL future bets. that I was able to do some research research on that I like as well. So, um, you know, let's get, you know, right into, you know, the recap of the all star game and home run derby for the home run derby there. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Jr., um wins it as the second favorite at plus 450 um pretty cool story there with uh uh junior winning it as well as his pops senior you know we already know that he won it you know back in his heyday so you know that was a pretty cool story and you know in the home run derby there was a longest home run hit prop at you know 490 and a half feet uh went under that you know Luis Robert hit the longest home run at about 484, 485 feet. So that catches. And the National League um, All-Star team, uh, they closed as a minus 115 favorite, uh, opened up as a small dog. Uh, but majority of the tickets uh, were coming in on the American League, but the line was moving consistently to the National League. And they would get the win with a 3-2 win. And they end their 0 for 9 streak, uh, losing to the American League in the All Star game. Uh, granted, you know, the American League came into this matchup with, you know, some key guys injured and not available to play, uh, with Jordan Alvarez and, uh, Jose Altuve of the Astros, as well as Mike Trout, uh, for the Angels and Aaron Judge of the Yankees, um, as well as some key um, players for the American League getting injured, uh, with Luis Robert Jr., uh, the outfielder of the White Sox, um, tweaking his hamstring or something like that in the home run derby and pretty much was a late scratch, you know, for the game, you know, last night, as well as the closer for the, uh, Blue Jays, who was pretty solid, uh, Jordan Romano. Um, he left the game early with an injury. So the, uh, National League, uh, was able to capitalize on that and uh, get a winner there to end the drought. So um, uh, that wraps up the recap for the All-Star game. And let's move on to some baseball news that, you know, took place, you know, heading into All-Star break in the New York Yankees. They made a rare move with Brian Cashman. Um, you know, since he's been the general manager of the Yankees over the last, you know, 23 or 25 years or so, um, he does not fire coaches, you know, during, you know, the season, you know, as he believes to give, you know, uh, coaches, you know, the benefit of the doubt of a full season to pretty much analyze, um, make any type of necessary adjustments, um, to grind it out with their, you know, grinding out with their roster, learn and grow and just pretty much go through the fire with them. Um, but there's been, you know, the Yankees have been struggling for quite, 
you know, quite some time, you know, at the plate, you know, with their lineup. And he's seen enough and he fired, you know, Dylan Lawson, the hitting coach. And, you know, Lawson deserves a lot of credit, you know, for what he did, you know, with that group down in the minors and how successful a lot of those guys, you know, have developed, you know, under his tutelage, but just hasn't translated, you know, to the major leagues, you know, this year with a lot of guys, a lot of veteran bats in the lineup. But I think, you know, what really, you know, sealed it, sealed his deal was the, um, the news that broke that the top prospect out of the Yankees farm system, uh, Anthony Volpe, you know, he was, uh, pretty well documented how bad he was struggling, um, you know, for the first part of the season, uh, until he had a dinner, a chicken parm dinner, you know, with, uh, a minor league teammate, you know, Austin Wells, who's also a, you know, top prospect in the Yankees system. And, you know, Wells was able to point out some key uh, adjustments, you know, that he noticed while he was watching Volpe, you know, um, at, at, at bats and pointed them out to him over dinner. And, you know, Volpe was able to, you know, make some minor adjustments. And ever since that, you know, dinner date or, you know, they, um, you know, Volpe has been, you know, playing a lot better, been a lot cons- more consistent at the plate. And he's been looking like the prospect a lot of us thought that he would be or, or, or doing a lot of the things that he was doing down in the minors. Um, you know, but those adjustments came from, you know, a friend instead of coming from uh, the hitting coach of the Yankees. And when you look at some of the other other veteran bats in the lineup, like uh, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, Josh Donaldson and DJ LeMahieu, um, um, and even, you know, right now, Anthony Rizzo, a lot of those guys have been struggling uh, you know, for a while now and, you know, just some numbers for the Yankees, you know, the first part of the season, uh, they currently have the 10th worst, you know, uh, weighted RC plus, they have the seventh worst, uh, weighted on base average and the third worst, you know, team batting average. So, uh, with those numbers and, you know, the, the story about Volpe turning around from, you know, suggestions and adjustments from, uh, a friend and a teammate that he played with in the minors having success. I think that pretty much sealed, uh, you know, Dylan Lawson's fate and the Yankees, you know, go outside their organization and bring in Sean Casey, who, you know, over the last few years or so has been the uh, solid, you know, uh, analyst for the MLB network. Uh, he also is a former player, uh, has a, was a career 300 hitter and he's super close friends with Aaron Boone, you know, as they played, together, you know, with the Cincinnati Reds. And, you know, I think this is something that could really work out for the Yankees because you look at other areas of the team, you know, they have one of the top three, if not the best bullpens in the game, you know, they have one of the most solid, you know, rotations in the game, you know, led by Garrett Cole, who started the all-star game and who's a legitimate candidate for the uh, AL Cy Young. Um, They're also adding Carlos Rodon back to the mix. Uh, as the second part of the season gets underway and, you know, they're getting good and consistent outings from Domingo Herman and Clark Smith and also Nestor Cortez should be along the way and coming back pretty soon as well. So if this move for the, for the Yankees, you know, with bringing in Sean Casey can help them become more of a, a balanced attack, you know, at the plate instead of the cookie cutter approach, you know, with everybody seem to be hunting home runs. And they're not really panning out for everybody in that lineup like that. 
Um, you know, this can make uh, this move can help them be uh, get back to be a complete team. You know, turning around the bats. So um, if, this move, if this move was able to to pan out the way that they anticipated doing, um, I know I picked the Rangers as my favorite to win the American League. But with this recent news, um, I think it's worthy of a play to back the Yankees, you know, at plus 850 right now to win the American League and have those two tickets in your back pocket because, um, you know, the Yankees were already projected to be one of the top teams in the American League. And, you know, they were playing that way while Aaron Judge was in the lineup. But ever since he went down, obviously we see that, you know, the offense has struggled. And, you know, you, they just can't put it on one guy coming back and turning everything around. Um, they need more consistent bats and a different approach at the plate from guys. And, you know, a guy like Glaber Torres sticks out to me uh, more so than the veterans because I remember watching Torres, you know, his first, you know, two years in the majors with the Yankees. You know, he was a, a 270 or better hitter, you know, at the plate. And, you know, over the last few years, you know, he's adopted the approach of hunting and hunting the home runs. And, you know, he's still, you know, above a league average, you know, hitter, but not nearly as close to the impact that he was having, you know, his first couple of years in the league where he was a more, when he had more of a consistent, you know, all around approach, you know, um, you know, to, you know, what he was seeing when he stepped into that batter's box. And the home runs came, you know, just pretty naturally and organically. But, you know, since he's been trying to chase him, it's hurt his batting average. So I think bringing in a guy like Casey, who's who's been a player, and like I said, who's a career 300 hitter, um, and, you know, some of the uh, articles that I've read, you know, from Casey and, you know, some of the things I've heard from Aaron Boone, you know, with his interview with the, the Talking Yanks crew, um, is that, you know, Casey is going to look to study each, you know, player's approach individually and point out their strengths. And, you know, each each approach would be, you know, different depending on the player instead of having the cookie cutter approach. So I think this is something that would benefit the Yankees. I don't think they can have any worse numbers than what they showcase in the first half of the year. So uh, I'm also going to add that to my to my to my bag of uh, picks I have here to finish out. This second half of the season is a value play on the Yankees at plus 850 to win the American League. And, you know, moving along to the next, you know, um, uh, pick that I have as the second half of the season gets started. Now, I know that um, uh, the juice or the value on this team has uh, shrunk. Uh, by a, a large margin, but I still think they're uh, a value player because it's still at a, a good plus money price. And that's the Reds to win the national, uh, central, uh, at plus 130. Uh, now you look at this team, their lineup, they rank, uh, top 10 or better in batting average, uh, weighted on base average. And for the season, they're right around league average for WRC plus. But ever since Ellie De La Cruz has been called up over the last uh, month and a half or so, they're a top five or better. And they play in a hitter friendly part. They'll be able to hit and mash with just about anybody at home or on the road. And they currently have a small lead in the NL Central, a one game lead over the Brewers. And they lost that series, you know, coming into the uh, all star break against them. But um, they're in position to 
kind of put all their chips, you know, in the center of the table and go for it all. Um, I think a couple moves that they, you know, that they can make is go out and add either one or two solid arms to their rotation as they already have, you know, two solid arms in Hunter Green, who's expected to be back, you know, sometime in early August and calling up the sensational rookie Andrew Abbott, you know, who's been pretty solid, just had a rough outing in the, uh, his one start, you know, coming into the break against the Brewers. But in those previous six starts, uh, the Reds are undefeated in all six of those. And he has a high strikeout rate. And, you know, they produce a lot of runs for him in his start. So I think if they're able to add a, another arm to that rotation, guys like Lucas Giolato for the White Sox or Michael Lorenzen for the Tigers, you know, should be available as the Tigers and White Sox could turn into sellers here as the trade deadline approaches. And that will solidify um, the Reds, you know, rotation to go along with their, you know, top five or better uh, lineup there. So um, I would grab the Reds right now while you, while you can still get plus money at plus 130 to win the NL Central. Um, so that's going to wrap up the baseball talk that we have for today. You know, like I said, for Friday show, may have a few more uh, adjusted season win totals to get into, maybe a couple more uh, divisional picks to look into as we break down, you know, the rest of those games as the season gets back up. But let's move along to some NFL futures that I have, a few more season win totals that I was able to do some research on and got some good value and got some good nuggets here. And I'm going to start with uh, the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to look to go over nine and a half wins at plus 105. Uh, currently, those odds are at DraftKings right now. And the Saints, you know, we all know that they made the, the big quarterback acquisition, you know, bringing in Derek Carr from the Raiders. Now, if you look at, you know, the season that Derek Carr had, you know, last year, you know, he was set up to have success with them bringing in Devontae Adams, uh, Josh Jacobs having the year that he had at running back. Um, and having an offensive minded coach like a Josh McDaniels. Um, you know, Derek Carr, you know, underperformed and, and did not, uh, live up to expectations. Uh, no argument held there, but I think moving along to the Saints, it's a better situation. Um, they do have solid skill position players around him, like uh, Chris Olave, who had a, a solid rookie year and a healthy Michael Thomas. They also have uh, Alvin Kamara in the backfield. Now, I do expect him to serve, you know, some type of suspension as he's dealing with some off the field issues, you know, with this incident that he had, you know, back in, you know, Vegas about a year or two ago. But they still have a solid backfield as they picked up Jamal Williams, who played for the Lions last year and led the, uh, you know, led the league in touchdowns as a running back. And they did draft the uh, running back uh, from TCU. Uh, in Kendra Miller. So um, they still have a solid, you know, they still have a, a solid group of uh, skilled players, even, you know, with Kamara serving a suspension as I'm expecting them to. But, you know, one of the biggest things that drew me to the Saints this year is that they have the easiest strength to schedule. And a lot of people like to look at strength, strength to schedule and compare it to um, how, you know, the team's records were, you know, from a year ago. But I like to look at strength of schedule as, you know, what teams did or didn't do to improve or got worse, you know, over the offseason. 
and what their season projected win totals are compared to what they uh, compared to how many games they won the prior year. So I do think it could be a little bit misleading, you know, just taking the record of the teams from last year and, you know, adding them up and saying, oh, well, this team should be good this year. Well, there's always an offseason and teams always have to make moves to get better or, you know, they try to stand packed and think that they don't have to and they get worse or they have to lose guys because of salary, salary cap or, uh, you know, other reasons um, that can cause them to be, you know, a weaker team than what they were last year. So I like to look at strength of schedule with, you know, how teams, you know, got better in the draft, what they did in free agency or vice versa, you know, what they weren't able to do in the draft or or what they weren't able to get in free agency. So coming into, you know, um, the upcoming season, I think the Saints have the easiest strength of schedule, um, not too high on the head coach and Dennis Allen, but with them having, you know, an, the easiest uh, schedule, I think the talent on the roster can overcome any type of coaching mishaps that, you know, may be presented to Dylan, Dennis Allen's, in, uh, Allen's way. So uh, that's also, that's a big key factor for me. And another key factor is that, you know, the defense, you know, for the Saints, has always uh, been, you know, pretty solid over the last few years. And last year was no different. Uh, they ranked 15th in opponent yards per point, and they ranked fourth in opponent yards per play. And they did all that while facing the 11th hardest strength to schedule last year. Um, so with the schedule lightening up for them, um, I think that uh, both un- uh, their defensive unit will improve, uh, probably creep up in that top 10 or better range, while the offense, you know, led by, you know, Derek Carr uh, could be, you know, a lot better as well because they didn't have a solid quarterback play, you know, last year with the uh, quarterbacks that they put out there. So uh, with Carr coming over, I think that he's the best quarterback, you know, in this division as the uh, Panthers and, you know, Falcons pretty much are going to be starting rookies uh, with Desmond Ritter for the Falcons and Bryce Young for the Panthers. Um, so I think, you know, pretty much by default, Derek Carr, uh, will be the best quarterback in that division. So, uh, that's a play that I'm on right now is the Saints over nine and a half wins at plus money at plus 105. And the, uh, next pick that I'm on is I'm going to go to the AFC West and I'm going to take the Chargers under nine and a half wins at minus 105. And, you know, just looking at the Chargers over the last couple of years or a few years, they've always been one of the most talented teams in the league. Um, and last year they were expected to be um, perform a lot better and more consistently than what they did. Um, the offense, they ranked 16th in yards per point, um, but that was against the second easiest strength of schedule of defenses. And the defensive unit, you know, after they spent a ton of money uh, bringing in Khalil Mack and, you know, some other guys on that defensive front and that, you know, uh, and that secondary, they just ranked, you know, 21st in the opponent yards per point against the 20th ranked uh, strength of schedule of offenses. So um, obviously performed under expectations there. And coming into this year, uh, it gets even harder for them as they have the fifth hardest strength of schedule. Um, so I see, you know, both units, probably falling into that bottom 10 or, or worse range. Now with them having Justin Herbert, you know, calling things and uh, being the signal caller, you know, under center for them and him being one of the top uh, young quarterbacks in the league, 
Um, they can still hover around that uh, average, um, you know, league average yards per point, you know, turning their yards into points against defenses. But I wouldn't be surprised if they dipped under that as they face some harder defenses this year. And going back to last year, uh, they just ended the season on a real bad note. You know, they made the playoffs uh, kind of by default, but, um, you know, blowing that huge lead against the Jaguars uh, really left a, a bad taste in a, in a lot of players' mouths there. And, you know, if this thing, if their season gets started off to a really shaky start, you know, the first month and a half or so, you know, uh, Brandon Staley could end up being, you know, the first coach fired there. Um, and in the AFC West, I think that the Broncos are better than them. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs, I feel, are better than them. And, you know, with the moves that the Raiders made this offseason, depending on the health of Jimmy Garoppolo, they can even, you know, be on the same playing uh, playing field, you know, with the Chargers. So nine and a half wins there. I'm going to take the under as I think this team, you know, has, you know, pretty much earned the reputation of, you know, failing to meet expectations, even though they're year in, year out you know, over the last three or four years or so. They've been one of the more talented teams on paper. So uh, going to take the Chargers under their season win total at nine and a half minus 105 for those odds. And moving along to the you know last play that I have, going to go to the NFC East. And I'm going to take the Giants season win total under seven and a half uh, minus 120 with the juice there on the under. And this is a pretty telling number for the Giants. You know, they won nine games last year, but odds makers uh, don't believe in this team like I don't uh, with opening uh, their odds at seven and a half. Um, you know, the defense um, on the surface, their their numbers look pretty, pretty solid. Uh, they they had the 12th uh, best uh, defense again in uh, opponents yards per point, but they did that against the eighth easiest strength of schedule. And this year they have the ninth hardest strength of schedule. Um, so I expect the defensive unit to take a step back as, um, you know, nine of those, their nine wins probably came from their defensive unit as they had five net close wins, which is, you know, winning the game by uh, a score or less. So they had, uh, you know, five of those wins. And I'm not, you know, high on, you know, Daniel Jones as he got his new deal. Uh, Saquon Barkley still trying to look for his. Um, they are in the NFC East. So uh, the Cowboys, as well as the uh, Eagles, I have ahead of them, like, you know, most people do. And, you know, with the moves that the commanders made this year, uh, bringing in, you know, Eric Bieniemy to run the offense and uh, going to go with uh, Sam Howell as the quarterback there. You know, they already have some weapons uh, in Washington who I feel are, you know, pretty underrated with Terry Mc, uh, McLaurin at receiver. And the backfield, uh, with Antonio Gibson and, and Brian Robinson. And they already had a, a pretty solid defense that adds, you know, Chase Young back to the mix, who I think missed of all of last year. So, um, they could end up being, you know, the worst team in this division. And I think this defense takes a significant step back. As I already mentioned, they're going to have a, a harder strength of schedule to deal with. So, uh, give me the under seven and a half for the Giants, uh, to go under their season win total at minus 120. So um, that's going to wrap up the show there. A uh, lot of good stuff, you know, giving out, you know, research there, you know, uh, some some things to jump on now as we have, you know, some good numbers 
some good future picks, you know, in the NFL as well as baseball. You know, on Friday, uh, we'll have some some games to get into for baseball as well as just recently today, uh, there was some release for NBA season win totals. So we'll be able to get into some of those. Was able to skim those as they came out. You know, not every team is listed. You know, I didn't see the Clippers, um, the Heat, Blazers, a couple other teams on there not listed, but majority of them are. And I did see some value and uh, some some plays to make, you know, right now uh, with some overs and unders. So going to have that on uh, the show for Friday, as well as, you know, some MLB games and maybe a few more, you know, NFL future picks as we, you know, wrap up our uh, future picks with the season approaching for NFL. So uh, that's going to be a wrap on the show. Um, rate, uh, make sure you guys rate, review, subscribe, and, uh, you know, check out the show on Apple, Spotify. You know, let me know what you think. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, smooth underscore 702. And, you know, I look forward and catch up with you guys on Friday.